All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Today will be our last message from the book of Luke. So we are going to talk about a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Some of you guys have heard of him before, and some of you this will be the first time hearing about this man. So we're going to read the passage, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Alright, so if you're following along, it's Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 19, 1 through 10. Here we go. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. And then the main thesis of this passage, the main point, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you move throughout your people. I pray that we understand that you are still a God who searches and seeks after those who are far from you. Father, I ask that you move in your church so that we are a people who seek after the lost. Father, I pray for those today that are still searching I pray that today is the day of salvation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you see in the book of Luke, he hammers a few things really, really well. It reminds me of coaching some football. Um, our defensive line will do a few of the things every day. When we have defensive indie, this is what we do. These are the drills we go over. And it seems like Luke has that same philosophy. He said, hey, I want to make sure you get this. I want to make sure you get this. And so he hits it again and again and again and again. And so we're going to look at just four themes real quick that we all see put together here in Luke chapter 19. The first theme, responding to Christ and repenting from sin is a theme we see throughout the book. In Luke 5, 31 to 32, Jesus answers, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you see it all throughout the book. Luke 13 and Luke 14 say, hey, this is the cost of discipleship. If you're going to come after me, you've got to turn from yourself and follow me. And what you'll see with Zacchaeus, here is a guy that has to turn from his sin and trust in Jesus. It's a theme that we see clearly throughout the book of Luke. Second theme, be rich toward God. Of all four Gospels, Luke hits the hardest when it comes to how we handle our possessions. 
And what we'll see with Zacchaeus here was a man who was wealthy but not rich towards God. However, he changed. And he lives his life for that purpose once he meets Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 6. We see it in Luke chapter 12 with the bigger barns. Right? The guy that has all this stuff, packs his barns out, tears them down, builds bigger barns, and Jesus calls him a fool. Because his life would have to give an account for that night. And Jesus asks, whose stuff is that now? He says, so is the man who is rich towards himself but not rich towards God. Right? Luke again and again and again shows us. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Number three, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14 and 18 and several other texts talks about humility. Be humble. Don't sit up front. Sit in back. People are coming to the table that no one thought would come to the table. Jesus, including those who are far off and those who thought they were near, aren't. And so he says, humble yourselves. Then you will be exalted. Here you have Zacchaeus. This is a dignified man, a rich man, a wealthy man, a man of power. And he climbs a tree. You know who climbs trees? Children. Not someone with some pride. But in his humility, he found Christ and was exalted. And then fourth and finally, one another theme. Seek, find, and celebrate. This is Luke chapter 15. Right? The guy has a sheep that is lost. He goes after the sheep, finds it, celebrates. Lady has a coin. She loses the coin. She seeks after it. She finds it. She celebrates. There's a son who is lost, comes home, is found, celebrates. Zacchaeus, lost, he's found, there's a celebration. These themes you all see right here in Luke. This is a very, very important text in this book. I think it's interesting, growing up, if you guys have heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a yeah, isn't that pitiful? I would hate to have that song be about me. Right? You pick out the worst flaw about me and you're going to sing it twice in the first two verses of the song. You never ever want to be described as a wee little man. Right? And so here is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Right? Now the cool thing about songs is it helps us memorize facts. That's a true statement. He was small of stature. I like how the, the Bible puts it, small of stature, right? Not a wee little man, he's just small of stature. A little bit easier on the ears. And then the song keeps on going. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. But then the song ends. And this is the whole purpose of Zacchaeus. I could tell you growing up, Zacchaeus was a small dude, climbed up in a tree. Jesus told him to get down, we're going to have lunch. But it misses the whole point of the story. Why is this happening? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is a search and rescue mission. This is the gospel snapshot in one verse. If you want to hear the gospel, it's this. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so we have uh, these Jesus Storybook Bibles and there's some cool graphics talking about the story, but one thing that this thing does is it summarizes the end of this story very, very clearly. Jesus loved Zacchaeus when nobody else did. He was Zacchaeus' friend when no one else was because Jesus was showing people what God's love was like. His wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. 
And he says, today, God has rescued you. That's the whole point of Zacchaeus. Now, that's great for Zacchaeus, but guess what? God is still searching for people today. And so here's the hard part when we come to this text. Right now, I'm speaking to two groups of people. I'm speaking to those that God is searching after, and I'm speaking to those who have been found. And this text applies differently to both of those groups of people. Some of you here today are like Zacchaeus, wondering, does anybody care? Does anybody know where I am located? And Jesus is coming. And he's searching, and he will find. So maybe today is the day of salvation. And then there's another group. You have been found. You have been rescued. You are saved. What now? What now? And so those are the two purposes we're going to look at today when we get to Zacchaeus. Funny kids song, but it's in a dynamite spot in the gospel. You want to know what happens after this? Last personal encounter for Jesus before he gets to what city? Jerusalem. You want to know what happens in Jerusalem? It's a long week for Jesus. He's going in. They're welcoming. They, oh, here comes the king. Right? And they're right. But they interpreted it wrong. He was coming to save his people from their sin, not from the Romans. And then in seven days, he's laying his life down on a cross. He's dead and buried. And God raises him from the dead. And Zacchaeus is the last personal encounter before he enters the city. This is very, very important for you and me to get and understand. All right? I don't know how many of you guys know about the Iranian hostage crisis in 1979. Many of you guys were not alive. You have to do a little research, a little history. But there was an Iranian hostage crisis. And what happened is in 1979, some militants took over the U.S. Embassy in Iran. They held over 50 people hostage for 444 days. That is a long time to be a hostage, over a year. So Jimmy Carter tried several strategies to free the hostages, and then he considered a risk rescue attempt. He nicknamed the rescue attempt Operation Eagle Claw. It included flying jets, refueling planes, helicopters, and trucks, getting them into Iran, getting them to different locations where they could hide, and then at a coordinated time, go in Rambo-style, rescue the hostages. There was a group of 90 military Rambos, best of the best assembled. Six helicopters to fly them to certain locations to get the job done. The only problem was there was a strong sandstorm the day the mission started. The sandstorm made inoperative three of the helicopters. One of the hydraulics weren't working, couldn't even get off the ground. Three of them. So now all of a sudden the 90-man crew was down to 45. A fourth one crashed. Never made it. After that, Jimmy Carter canceled the mission, but check out the cost. The cost of this failed mission was $193 million. That's an expensive ticket. But when you're searching and you're trying to rescue someone, it's worth it. Jesus is on a search and rescue mission, and it would be costly. But he would not fail. So let's look right now, Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus came to seek those who are lost. Zacchaeus was far from God. Right? If you took a vote of all the people, let's say Zacchaeus is chilling out in here. 
Jesus walks in the door, right? He comes into the city, and he's going to have lunch with one person. Guess who would have received zero votes of people thinking, hey, Jesus is going to hang out with him? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. A little history. Tax collectors and people from Israel did not get along. This is what happened. Romans came in. They take over a country. They tax them to supply the military and government. And they hire people from their own country to do it. And they gave them some soldiers so they had the power to do it. And Zacchaeus is in a city that is booming. Jericho is the place to be. And he's the chief of the tax collectors. And so you got to understand, this is what happens. Phil, it would be like you. I say, hey, Phil, you owe me $5 for this month's tax. All right, but I need some money. So you owe me six. You give me six, I send five. And I'll send five to Newport's football team. Right? That's how it was working. Right? You're paying, Israelites are paying this guy, the tax collector, who's giving it to the Romans. That's their right. They don't want anything to do with them. Brutal regime. And Zacchaeus was making money off his people and giving it to the enemy. He had zero friends. Right? The, the, the children's story made it light. This guy was an outcast. He was hated. If he didn't have his soldiers around him, he'd be killed. And he was wealthy meaning he was good at what he did. He was robbing his own people, funding a military that had them under subjugation. Nobody wanted a piece of Zacchaeus, except the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus is coming, and he sees Zacchaeus. And I wonder, what are some of the obstacles that keep people from Jesus? Right? What, are, what are some of the obstacles that, that keep people from Jesus? And I look at Zacchaeus, his position, Wood, right? He's a tax collector. Nobody wants anything to do. I wonder if Zacchaeus thought, you know what? Jesus is a Jewish man. I have zero Jewish friends. He probably wants nothing to do with me. He probably wants nothing. As a matter of fact, he'll probably pass by this street, and I'm not even going to catch a glimpse of him, and he'll never, ever notice me. I, I wonder if his position was an obstacle. I know his money was. Jesus tells us again and again and again, you can't serve two masters. You either love one, hate the other, serve one, not the other. So a lot of people fall in love with this stuff called money and wealth and acquiring stuff, and they miss out on Jesus because you can't serve both. And so I know that was an obstacle for Zacchaeus. He might have thought, you know what, i got a good retirement plan. Nobody likes me in Jericho, but maybe I can move to a different city later on down the road. I wonder if it was his pride. Here was a man, had a good position, was going to be set for life. He was short, and there was a crowd, and nobody was helping him out. I wonder if he got to that tree and he's like, man, if I climb this tree, people who hate me are just going to ridicule me. I wonder if it's worth for a grown man to climb this tree. I think there were a lot of obstacles for Zacchaeus to overcome. What are some of the obstacles people have to overcome to get to Jesus? This past week, uh, English 4, uh, we were writing down obstacles for our senior year. What are some of the obstacles that will keep students from walking across the platform in 2020 as graduates? And, and they were putting down a bunch of stuff. A couple of students put down they already have senioritis four days into the school year. Um, a lot of the seniors have work-based experience. 
which means after fourth period, they get to go work. They only have to come to school half a day. And they're like, hey, listen, it's nice to have that freedom after fourth period, but sometimes I just want to take off the whole day. And you only get so many absences. And so some of the guys put down that as an obstacle. Some, some of our students are balancing a bunch of stuff. Right? Some are playing sports and trying to work and save money and, and try to get into college and the stress of what's next and not knowing what's next, the stress of getting the right grades and the right scores on tests. And all these things are obstacles, right? And then they put on the backside how to overcome these obstacles. And I thought it's interesting when I look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a list of obstacles that kept him from Jesus. And I think a lot of people have a lot of obstacles that keep people from Jesus, to keep themselves from Jesus. Right? I, I think, like Zacchaeus, I think money is an obstacle. I think work can be an obstacle. I think relationships can be an obstacle. Right? We, we have uh, a guy that I know I was working uh, with, gets a girlfriend, and girlfriend doesn't like church, um, doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. And so to keep the girlfriend, he doesn't associate with the church or, or things with Jesus right now, that's an obstacle. Right? There's uh, hundreds of different obstacles. What's your obstacles? What's keeping you from Jesus? Maybe it's a busy schedule. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's pride. Everybody has obstacles. Now, here's the awesome part. On our sheet, we turned it over and said, hey, how do I overcome my obstacles? Work with a friend to overcome those obstacles, right? Zacchaeus doesn't overcome his obstacles. You want to know who overcomes Zacchaeus' obstacles? Jesus. You want to know why? Because Jesus was the one seeking Zacchaeus. This is the beautiful part of the story. Jesus, you see in verse 1, entered Jericho and was just passing through. Or so it seemed. He gets to Jericho and Jerusalem is on the horizon where he knows he is about to be put on the cross and yet he has to stop. And you see this in verse 4. So he ran on ahead, climbed up a tree, somewhere tree. And when Jesus came to the place, it is a specific place tree. He stops. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, you got to come down. I must go to your house today. Why? Because Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. I think it's interesting. Sycamore trees come in all shapes and sizes. You never know where Jesus might find someone he was looking for. It could be on an airplane. I've heard numerous stories of people sitting by each other on an airplane or on a bus and they're going through who knows what, but Jesus has finally found them. The person sitting next to him opens up, tells them how Jesus died for them, how they could have life and forgiveness of sin, and they are found by Christ on an airplane or a bus. Could be a classroom. You guys understand you're not in the classes you are by accident. You're not going to the schools. You're, going to, you're not working. at. You could be at McDonald's, Cortez in Chicago, for this reason that somebody there is up in their sycamore tree, have no idea who Jesus is, but they're searching for something, and you tell them about Christ, and Jesus uses you to find someone who's lost. It could be your workplace. It could be your neighborhood where you move into. Sycamore trees come in all shapes and sizes. But what I do know is Jesus is still looking and searching and finding his people. So, a word to those who have been found. Lost people need to be sought for. Lost people need to be sought for. Um, a couple of weeks ago, 
Julianne's in the nursery, so she won't mind me sharing the story. A couple of weeks ago, um, she was looking for her keys. She calls me, did you move my keys? No, I didn't touch them. I didn't touch her keys. She's looking, 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 turns the house upside down. Mike, you were lucky you found them. Where were they? Downstairs on the printer. At that point in time, I was so, I was a little bit nervous because I thought, did I move her keys? Did I put them somewhere? And then when Mike told me they were downstairs on the printer, I was like, oh, I'm off. I'm free. I didn't do it. But you want to know what happened? The keys didn't find themselves. Right? You had to look for them. We had to go all over the place. We went to the baskets, and we went to, she went to her purse, and I looked at my truck. I'm like, that threw them in the back? What? They were down. But they wouldn't have been found if we didn't look for them. And I say that to say that this past week, uh, the grill out, the cookout, tailgate, um, there, there was an interesting conversation I had with one of our custodians. His name's John. Uh, John has some funny stories, man. He's had a rough time at homes. People won't leave him alone. People steal his food, all that good stuff. And we invite, hey, man, we got, some, we got some hot dogs. We got some, some food, some chips, and some cookies. And uh, he comes over, and, and we're just talking. And we've, we've small talked numerous times, right? And John goes, hey, man, I heard you were a pastor. I go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pastor of Redemption Church right down on 17th in Oakland. He goes, why haven't you invited me? I go, man, everybody is invited. He goes, I just figured since you didn't invite me, you didn't want us to be there. And I thought, as I'm preparing this message of Jesus seeking after people, I'm thinking, idiot, what am I doing? You talk about convicting. Why haven't I invited John to get here? And I wondered if John's sycamore tree was a tailgate where we got rid of 197 hot dogs. You wonder what we were doing there? It was more than just cooking and grilling and providing a good atmosphere. We're seeking for people who are far from God. And you wonder what Jesus is doing? He's finding them. And so I wonder if John's sycamore tree was a tailgate with 197 hot dogs and convicting a pastor that thought he knew what he was preaching and understanding, oh, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. There's a lot of people that we should be seeking for. We have to invite. So lost people need to be sought for. Number two, who are you seeking after today? I love this. Jesus was specific, and he's intentional. He went through Jericho, came to a specific tree, to a specific man for a specific purpose. Family members, neighbors, co-workers, students, teammates. Be bold. Be intentional. And then number three, what priority do you place on seeking after people who are far from God? What priority do you place on seeking after people who are far from God? Um, we went on a walk yesterday with Balin and Camden. I've shared you the story about uh, Camden getting stung with a jellyfish, right? So I would, I would the, what the illustration I'm trying to do is, I, I would say both girls are lost in the sea, right? They're in danger. There's jellyfish in the ocean. I know that. You know what priority I had to go get Balin? I already had Camden, right? She's screaming. She's having a meltdown. And jellyfish hurt, right? I'm picking her up, but I still have Balin. You want to know how serious of a priority it was to get to Balin? You want to know how much I didn't care about the jellyfish that were or could have stung me? Nothing. Why? Because I had a greater priority, greater urgency to get to somebody who needed to be rescued. I was willing to risk whatever pain to my legs to get to someone to get them out of danger. Why? Because that's my girl. I'm going to get her. I'm going to go after her. 
And you want to know what happens? I think one reason why we are not prioritizing going after people who are lost, we don't care about them. Because if we did, we would go. All right. So Jesus came to seek after those who are far from God. I love this. Zacchaeus was caught because in his seeking, he was sought. That's our Ken Hughes. I love that statement. That's going to be true. You could take Zacchaeus' name out and you could put anybody there. You, me. Number two, Jesus came to save those who are lost. And you see this, you see this through uh, verses six through nine. Zacchaeus responded to Jesus. He says, hey, come on down. He responds, I'm coming. And not only does he respond, he was filled with joy. You see, a lot of people think coming to Jesus means I can't do this, can't do that. No, coming to Jesus means you'll have joy to the fullest. Jesus came that you may have life and life to the fullest. One of the greatest lies Satan throws our way is that you would be happy apart from Christ. Fill in the blank. If you had money, if you had a bigger house, better car, you would be happy. And Jesus says, no, I've come that you may have life and life to the fullest. It's found in Christ, not apart from Christ. And you see this with Zacchaeus, who had plenty of money, plenty of stuff, but wasn't filled with joy until he met Jesus. And then number three, Zacchaeus becomes generous. Don't you see the transformation here? The man who was getting everything now was giving everything. Why? Because Jesus transformed his life. This is what I still expect to see in Covington. I see young men, young women who are defined, hey, this is who they are. He's into drugs. He's a druggie. He's lazy. He's this. He's this. And what I'm seeing is, no, Jesus is transforming this dude. Jesus is transforming this girl. And she's set on fire to follow Christ. Who knows who she'll be in the future? Who knows how big of impact he'll make in the future? Why? Because they met Jesus. A couple of biblical examples. People who have been transformed. Look at Peter. Peter, in, later on in Luke, you'll see this uh, after Jesus is arrested, he denies Christ three times to save his own life. Right? Jesus is led away, and these people come up to Peter. He's like, hey, aren't you with him? He's like, no, I never knew him. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. But then what happens? When you get to Acts, Peter is bold. He's thrown in jail. He's beaten for preaching the gospel. And according to church history, he's crucified upside down on a cross. Why? Because of the gospel. How does that transformation work? Someone who is scared to death will save his life, denying Christ, now will lay his life down. He knew Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Number two, Paul. Paul goes from murdering and throwing people in jail to being put in jail for spreading the gospel. Nobody had a bigger transformation than Paul. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. Why? Because he met Jesus on a road. Jesus can transform anybody. What about Lazarus? Lazarus is buried for days. Mary and Martha are like, hey, Jesus, if you roll that tomb away, that stone, he's going to stink. You talk about transformation. And Jesus is like, hey, Lazarus, I need you to come on out. And Lazarus gets up and walks out. Or you have the guy who's possessed by demons. He's not even given a name. He's running around naked in the cemetery. He's chained up, but he goes nuts and breaks the chain. He runs into the deserts. And then he meets Jesus, and he's sitting in his right mind. And he becomes a missionary and he fills the city 
with the news of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus seeks and He saves the lost. The old has passed away, the new has come. That's who Jesus is, and that is what He does. So Jesus came to seek the lost, Jesus came to save the lost, and then He put it all together in verse 10, and He summarizes it this way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is as clear as the gospel gets from beginning to end. This was Jesus' mission. Matthew 1.21, Mary will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Did you ever think why did they name him Jesus? They answer it, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus lays aside his glory to come to earth. The eternal, glorious God becomes man. God is on mission. So check this out. Just going through the life. And we went through the... Christmas accounts, the birth story of Christ during Christmas. And what happens? The eternal God becomes man. We understand with the birth of Christ, it was not His beginning. He has no beginning. He is eternal. But He's born of a virgin in a barn because there's no place for Him in the city. The Creator and Sustainer of the universe has no place at His birth. Why? He doesn't care. He's on mission. And then we see that he lives for 33 years, never since. He heals the sick, the deaf, and the blind. The lame will walk. He raises the dead. He feeds the hungry. He walks on water. And then he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. And this is where it gets brutal. He is betrayed by one of his disciples. Been chilling with him for three years. For a few dollars, he betrays him. He's mocked. He's spat upon. Crown of thorns smashed on his head. He's beaten, receives a lashing that rips his body to pieces, but he carries a cross up a hill. He's laid upon the beams, and his hands and his feet are nailed to the cross. He breathes his last, but what about the mission? What about the seeking and the saving? Has something gone wrong? And you guys hear the words of the crowd. Right? The, the crowd was telling him, hey, Jesus, you saved others, but you can't save yourself. I wonder if some of them heard about the story of Zacchaeus. Hey, I thought you said you came to seek and to save people. Now look at you. Look at, you. Look, look at the predicament you're in. The Son of God on a cross. Has this been a failed mission? I think it's interesting. This was the mission. There is no salvation apart from Christ laying his life down. You and I cannot be saved. You and I cannot be forgiven. You and I cannot have life unless Christ laid his life down. In his death, burial, and resurrection, we have salvation. And so when you see seeking and saving, you see the length that Jesus is willing to go to save those he was searching for. He's buried in a tomb. He's there for three days. But on the third day, he rose from the grave. I love how Acts 2.24 puts this. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He ascended to the Father and he is returning. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is alive and well, carrying on his mission of seeking and saving 
the lost. So this is the challenge for the church. This is a challenge for those who are saved. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. Right? That is the mission of the church. That's what you and I are called to. Saved people are searching people. Or, as 2 Corinthians put it this way, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Right? The old me passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what all is offered when Christ finds you. New life, new creation, new start. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now that's a big word, right? Phil had to read this a couple of weeks ago. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation means there's a brokenness in the relationship. Before God, I'm not okay unless Christ fixes it. Through Christ, I am reconciled. I have peace with God. And then he gives us this message. That is, Christ, through God, was reconciled to the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That is the Christian obligation. If you know you have been reconciled to God through Christ. You have been entrusted with a message of peace. Then he keeps going, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So if you are sitting here, if you're in your sycamore tree, we are begging you, turn to Christ. You can have peace with God. This is the church's message, and this is the church's mission. And so there's two groups of people. Maybe today you're in your sycamore tree. Why in the world are you in a building in Covington this morning? It's not by accident. right? Jesus was just happening to go through Jericho, and there just happened to be a tree that Zacchaeus could climb, and Jesus stops right here and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, you're coming on down. Maybe that's you today. There are no accidents. Maybe this is your sycamore tree moment and Jesus is calling you now. Your heart is moved. Jesus is calling. Turn to Him. Trust in Him for salvation. And then maybe you're sitting here and you know, I've been found, I've been saved, but I've forgotten about this mission. Maybe you need to do some business with God this morning. Maybe God's laying a face on your heart, a name in your mind. Like, I've been working with this guy for 15 years, and I've never once told him how he could have peace with God. Our mission is to seek after those who are far from God and tell them how they could have peace with God through Christ. May the church look like the Savior we worship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being a God who seeks and to save the lost. Father, I thank you for seeking after and finding me. 
Father, I pray for those in the room that are still searching. I pray that today be the day of salvation for them, that they trust in your name. Father, I pray for your church, people who have been found and have been rescued. I pray that you give us a burden for our neighborhoods, for our co-workers, for our teammates, for our classes, for our family. I pray that we go after the lost and share with them how they too can have peace with God. I pray that we never lose focus on this mission of seeking and saving the lost. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.